Eat, drink, smoke, and it's Rocky Patel. The man is actually sitting next to me. I might weep. I might weep. I've had him on my, my radio show uh, uh, before, and I've had a chance to meet him here at Burn Cigar Lounge in Indianapolis. I'm Tony Katz. That's Fingers Malloy. Nish Patel is here as well, trying to turn uh, Fingers Malloy into a man uh, with his cigars. No, no mild medium stuff. We're going... We're going for the full, but uh, Rocky, it's it's good to see you. I am doing uh, the Cameroon, which I am convinced is the most underrated cigar in America. Fingers has moved on uh, to the 1999. Um, it seems that over the past year, now for you it's longer, but for me, I want to say the past year, maybe year and a half, the number of cigars, the different ways you're constructing cigars, out of the park, I mean, for the longest time, it, it was the 90, it was the 92, it was the edge. I think that's what people are used to and saw in humidors. And lately, there, there is a never-ending number of crazy cool blends you guys are coming up with. The moment was just right. The business was just right. What, what brings you to it? As you smoke right now, this is the quarter century that I have in my hand, the 25th anniversary. This is a, this is a pretty big smoke right here. Well, first of all, Tony, hello. Oh, hey. Hey, how I'm sorry. are you? I got Good very morning. excited. You, you know, you got pretty right into, right in, jumping Duh. right deep, Duh. deep, 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 just jumping right there. Fingers Rocky, how are, how are you? How are the kids? I'm good. No kids. These are my kids right here. I'm all them. No kids so far. But um, no, can you believe it's been 25 years? Who would have thought, right? I just felt like I'm the youngster starting in the business, and I'm the old man. So uh, when they give you a Hall of Fame award, I think that shows you're old, right? That means you're either dying or old. But, uh, no, great to be here and uh, really, really proud of this cigar. You know, we make a lot of blends. You're absolutely right. And I think it's my passion for cooking. I like to always try new dishes, try stuff. So we're always trying to get tobaccos from unique parts of the world, whether it's Costa Rica, whether it's Panama, whether it's, uh, you know, Matafina from Brazil. Well, our Cameroon, like the one he's smoking, it is probably one of the most expensive, hardest wrappers to work with. So silky thin. Uh, the wrapper actually is hard to come by when it's very clean. It's literally grown under sunlight in the country of Cameroon, in Africa, under very, very rough conditions, thanks to the Merrifield family that grows the tobacco there. But that wrapper has such sweetness and is so supple. Uh, it's very difficult to work with. A lot of people don't like to work with it because it's very expensive and you get a lot of waste because when people are actually rolling the cigars, the wrapper tears apart because it's so thin and so light. But uh, And the other thing with that wrapper is like if you have that cigar in Colorado or Arizona or California where it's very dry, it cracks easily, being very, very thin. Okay. It's always got to be humid. So. But I love that on the Vintage 2003, it creates a lot of creaminess, a lot of sweetness. Um, you know, it's got a lot of flavor. So I'm glad you're enjoying this cigar. And, and now we're excited that we're launching today. And you and Fingers are the first ones to try this cigar being launched in America called the Quarter Century. So, uh, you know, this is a cigar with the San Andres wrapper from, uh, from Mexico. Mexico yeah. uh, 50% of the fillers are from our farms in Esteli, Nicaragua, and Conega. 
and the other 50% is a secret. And I will tell you that what it's we decided secret. to do. Look at we Wait, we're friends. We're talking about our kids and everything. Yeah, now all well, of a sudden there are secrets between us. talking about your kids. I have <laughs> uh, So it is, you know, we decided a couple of years ago to take and buy the building next to our factory and create that into a humidor. And we wanted to age three and a half million cigars there. And we said, you know, now we have the liberty to do something unusual. Let's make some amazing blends with tobaccos that are six and eight years old and put them away for two years after they're rolled. And we did that with the age limited and rare. And we made 2,000 boxes of each size and released it. And it was a home run, one of my favorite blends. And this is another great blend for the quarter century where we actually made the cigars. And this cigar has been aged for 26 months. After it's rolled. For the first time, even myself and Nish, nobody in the factory, nobody got to go in there and smoke samples. Typically, you'd smoke them four months, six months, eight months, 12 months out. Seriously, was under lock and key. We literally got them when the bands were being put on them. So... Uh, first time smoking. So it. what does that do to it? Like the whole idea of you know some people will buy a cigar, a cigars they put them in their humidor, they lay them down, right? Give them some time. As you saw it, and you're like, this might be an interesting uh, way to get some flavor out. What did the laying down do for that cigar? So I think when you take tobaccos that are really, really rich and full bodied, so especially if you take Ligeros from Esteli, you take the higher primings on the tobacco plant. They deliver so much flavor, so much spice, so much pepper, so much character. That when you lay them down, the tobacco gets to marry. And when it marries, you get that rich taste, but you also get a balance with it. And I think what happens in this case, you get that rich, complex flavor with a lot of balance. Typically, I don't tell people to just take every cigar and lay it down. Because then you lose the character that cigar was supposed to intended to have. Right. But in this case, when you have such a complex, rich cigar and you lay it down for so long... You got the richness with the balance. It's like taking an amazing cab yeah. or amazing Brunello or Super Tuscan, and you drink it after 8, 10 years. It's awesome. I try to explain to people, initially, let me, let me bring you in. No, I just want to jump in on uh, and just follow up to what Rocky said. And, Rocky, one thing I do want you to touch on is when Tony said about laying down a cigar, why, when... when all our cigars, not the quarter century, but you, you rest them for anywhere up to 36 weeks because you want, when they open up a box, you want them to be able to smoke right away. So I just wanted you to touch on that part. Yeah, I mean, every cigar we make, we, we, we actually make sure that we age it in our humidors long enough so it's ready to smoke, right? So depending on the type of cigar... There's certain cigars, if the wrapper is thick in viscosity, if it's a higher priming, it's going to retain a lot of humidity. What we try to do is release all our cigars at 10.5% humidity. So that if you get a Connecticut, like the, the wrapper fingers are smoking, that's a very thin, light wrapper. It doesn't hold a lot of humidity. That cigar only needs four months of aging. It right. doesn't hold it. So you don't want a cigar that's holding a lot of moisture. When you can get the moisture out of the tobacco, basically when you're rolling tobacco, mm-hmm. The tobacco has to have moisture. Otherwise, the leaves are going to break. They're very supple. So you have to wet all the tobacco to roll the tobacco. Right. Once it's rolled, it's holding a lot of moisture. So it takes months and months over time to slowly release that moisture out of the cigar and get it to the right condition. This whole thing is really about art. 
And it's the thing that I try to impress upon people the most because people think cigars is just business. The, the cigar stores are mom and pop stores, even with, with you guys with Burn Cigar Lounge, which is in Oklahoma City, which is in Naples, which is in Pittsburgh, uh, which is uh, right here in, in Indianapolis. I'm missing a look. Atlanta, Atlanta. Atlanta. There it is, right near the, where the Braves are yeah. playing their new stadium. Right. Um, people think of it as as the business. But that whole discussion that you're having is about the art of it, knowing the, the viscosity, knowing the, the amount of humidity, that's the science. But how you apply that to other things within the cigar, how you decide the binder and filler, and how you decide that aging, where, where does the art come from trial and error? Does the art come from your conversations with other rollers? Where does that part? So the art is, you know, it, it, when you're in an industry where you're always learning and you never gain enough knowledge... That is an artisan industry. So just like winemaking. You know, for those of you that don't smoke cigars or have never been to a cigar factory, I'm telling you, making a cigar is one of the hardest things in the world. It's much easier to make a car, engineer a car, than make a cigar. Literally, by the time you plant a seedling in the ground, the time you get a cigar in a box takes four to five years. 300 different hands touch the tobacco along the process from the seedbed to the nursery, to the farm, to the curing, to the fermentation, to the construction, the quality control, the aging rooms. Even the boxes are made by hand. I mean, it is a total artisan industry. It's a cottage industry, very, very unique, nothing. The only thing I can compare that to would be a great winemaker. Very, very similar in the way that we take our craftsmanship and work this product. And it's so unique. It's simply amazing. I'm so proud to be part of this industry. Rocky Nish, RockyPatel.com. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, Tony. You so Thank much. you, Fingers. Great to be with you. you this is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, Drink, Smoke. Tony Katz, Fingers, Malloy. Continuing our conversation with Rocky Patel and Nish Patel of Rocky Patel Cigars, Rocky Patel. Dot com. This whole thing is really about art, and it's the thing that I try to impress upon people the most because people think cigars is just business. The, the cigar stores are mom and pop stores, even with, with you guys with Burn Cigar Lounge, which is in Oklahoma City, which is in Naples, which is in Pittsburgh, uh, which is uh, right here in, in Indianapolis. I'm missing a look. Atlanta, Atlanta. Atlanta. There it is, right near the, where the Braves are yeah. playing their new stadium. Right. Um, people think of it as as the business, but that whole discussion that you're having is about the art of it, knowing the, the viscosity, knowing the, the amount of humidity, that's the science. But how you apply that to other things within the cigar, how you decide the binder and filler, and how you decide that aging, where, where does the art come from trial and error? Does the art come from your conversations with other rollers? Where does that part? So the art is, you know, it, it, when you're in an industry where you're always learning and you never gain enough knowledge, that is an artisan industry. So just like winemaking, you know, for those of you that don't smoke cigars or have never been to a cigar factory, I'm telling you, making a cigar is one of the hardest things in the world. It's much easier to make a car, engineer a car, than make a cigar. Literally, by the time you plant a seedling in the ground, the time you get a cigar in a box takes four to five years. 300 different hands touch the tobacco along the process, from the seedbed, to the nursery, to the farm, to the curing, to the fermentation, to the 
construction, the quality control, the aging rooms, even the boxes are made by hand. I mean, it is a total artisan industry. It's a cottage industry, very, very unique, nothing. The only thing I can compare that to would be a great winemaker. Very, very similar in the way that we take our craftsmanship and work this product. And it's so unique. It's simply amazing. I'm so proud to be part of this industry. Rocky, you bring out winemaking, but uh, one of the things that I want you to touch base on is the difference between the different vintages in wine and the cigars. And you keep manipulating the tobacco every year and i want you know what i'm getting at. yeah so, so it's interesting it. you know uh, you know when we make a brand let's say like the vintage right. or the edge the consumer expect every cigar to be exactly the same as the one that they had the year before or five years ago or 10 years ago right they, this is the vintage 1990 it should taste this way or this is the edge or this is the decade this should taste a certain way well if you look at a wine regardless of the winemaker from vintage to vintage it's different like Wine Spectator, Robert Parker, they all rate the wines based on a vintage. It could be a Camus. It could be rated a 94 one year, and the next year it could be 89 because there's too much rain or it was too hot or whatever. The grapes change. Well, the same principle really applies in cigars. If we get the tobacco from a particular farm in Nicaragua or Honduras, and the next year you got too much sunlight or you got too much heat or you got too much rain, the tobacco changes. It's the same exact tobacco with the same seed varietal, but it changes. So the blend is going to change. So what we have to do to satisfy a loving cigar consumer is that we have to play with the primings of the plant. So, for example, if I'm using tobacco from Esteli and I'm using the seventh priming from Esteli and I got way too much rain, you know, or I might go to the fifth priming. I might go to the sixth priming. So depending on what tobacco I use, if I'm using Hamastron tobacco from Honduras, and it's a dry season. Well, in the dry season, the tobacco is going to be much stronger. So instead of going to the sixth priming, I might go down to the fourth Really priming. quick, define priming, because I don't so think people understand where you're cutting yeah. from. So priming basically is in the tobacco plant. If you take a t- plant that's six feet tall, if you start at the very, very top of the tobacco plant, the top third is the heaviest tobacco, the richest tobacco, uh, and it's called lijero. The middle third of the tobacco plant is medium body and texture, medium body and flavor, and it's called viso. And the bottom tobacco plant is the mildest tobacco, the thinnest leaves, and it's called seco. So when most factories make a blend, they'll take any lijero, viso, seco. I tried to take that plant and I defined it in more strict characteristics, so I call it priming. So when you start picking the leaves, the first leaves you pick from the bottom would be the first priming, then the second, third, fourth, all the way to the top tobacco plant, which is the eighth priming. So when I'm making a blend, I want to make sure I have the exact leaf from the exact plant, from the exact farm, with the exact fertilization and the exact fermentation to guarantee consistency from cigar to cigar, box to box. So when I'm making a particular blend, let's say in the quarter century, I'll say I want the eighth priming from a particular farm in Esteli, Nicaragua. I want the sixth priming from a particular farm in Hamastran, Honduras. I want the fifth priming from a particular farm in Costa Rica. This way, every cigar has the same leaf from the same farm, with the same fermentation, same for to guarantee consistency, box to box. This never happens with the Cubans. The Cubans, one day the tobacco comes from this farm, another day from this farm, another day. Right. That's why Cubans are so inconsistent. Luckily, in Central America, we have the capability to actually be very, very consistent in making great quality cigars. So 
That's what we do. And so when I'm talking about shifting primings, when the weather changes, if it used to be the eighth priming, it might be the sixth priming next year just to get the same flavor profile. It's not an exact science, but like a chef, we're always working with the recipe to make sure that it's close to what the intended taste is supposed Talking to be. Talking to Rocky Patel and Nish Patel, Rocky Patel Cigars. We're here at Burn a Cigar Lounge, uh, one of the great cigar lounges. If you get a chance, uh, wherever you live or wherever you're traveling, make sure you check it out. This whole conversation comes back to something, Fingers, we often talk about. When you are smoking a cigar, write down what it is you're experiencing. What did you eat that day? What did you drink that day? What's the temperature that day? Because just like as you're discussing, all those things have an effect and you're playing with it. What you, Where you are, what you're at, what you're doing changes it. So sometimes you'll read a review online and you'll be like, I'm not getting that experience at all. Yeah. It's all wonderfully and glorious subjective in that way. You know, it's interesting. I can't, I gotta say this, but when I think of fingers, I think of the new home testing kit for the coronavirus. <laughs> Have you seen that new home testing no. kit, fingers? Oh, no. I thought when you looked at him. No, yeah. <laughs> oh. You haven't seen that home test? You gotta <laughs> patent this test. You basically stick the finger up your butt. If it comes out purple, then you're, you're safe. If it's red, then you got the virus. So I think fingers, you, you got to patent this test. Well, it's interesting. You, you bring up <laughs> Dr. Rocky Patel joined right? us right now from the CDC. Well, uh, you, you, you brought up the coronavirus. I wanted to ask you this question because we've talked about yeah. this on the show previously about how it's had an impact on retailers and obviously lounges like this. And how our is, factories, which are now closing, unfortunately, on Wednesday. For two weeks, so it. I mean, there's certain factories down there that have about 68 people that have the virus. There's others that have 48. We had eight cases. Uh, you know, it's sad, and and unfortunately, they're not getting the virus really at the factories because the factories are the safest, most sanitized places down in Central America. I mean, besides social distancing and gloves and masks, I mean, we make sure they wash their hands every uh, 45 minutes. You know, in that culture. You have families of 12, 14 people living together. And they are so used to visiting each other and family. And they, they don't know, they don't understand being away. Social distancing doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're right. out there, they're out there mingling, mingling family to family. And that's the problem. So, uh, in these third world, and they don't have enough diagnostic. I just approved another 100 testing kits, but they don't even have enough testing kits down there. So, right. it's sad in a country like that where First of all, there's not enough sanitization. Secondly, the people are very poor. There's not enough hospitals, not enough medical care. So we have to be careful. So that, that's scary. Will this have an impact on supply in the long run? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we have a big back order issue. We were already closed for a month and a half. And we're closing again. And, you know, with the COVID virus, people at our people at our home, people are at home drinking and smoking. And so there has been a new boom in the cigar culture. But uh, unfortunately, uh, we do have supply issues. Rocky Nish, RockyPatel.com. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, Tony. You so Thank you, Fingers. Great to be with you. you this is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, drink, smoke, your drink, cigar, food, radio extravaganza. I'm Tony Katz. That's Fingers Malloy right there. Find us on Twitter at Go Eat, Drink, Smoke, and it's a review of the 1792 Full Proof. 125 proof. I have not even moved it to a cube. I am remarkably impressed, especially at $42.99 a bottle. Doesn't need a cube at all. I always put it on a cube, but I'm starting to regret that. It, the, the vanilla has come out a little more, a little more pronounced. I think that finish is a touch of the cinnamon. There's a nice wood uh, oak in there as well. 
I am really, really pleased. Again, I'd like it if it was a little thicker, like a little more texture to the liquid itself, to the juice itself. But flavor-wise, it isn't bowling you over. I know it's under 25 proof. It doesn't feel that way. A touch of sting to the tip of the tongue. A little burn mid-chest. I've had things that are much harsher and not as good. This, especially at price. $42 a bottle? Yeah. It's in my liquor cabinet. It's in your liquor cabinet, for sure. Fingers Malloy, he's got the news of the week. Tony, from Macau Business, the U.S. has warned against consuming Cuban rum and cigars, claiming the two that two of the island's most iconic products helped finance the country's communist dictatorship. Who didn't know this? Who didn't know this? Look, there, there are two things at play. First, there is the idea of whether or not we should be supporting communist regimes. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think that's a good one. And I think the best is this comes from Macau Business. Dot com. So look at what we're doing yeah. in, in, in utilizing the website, right? I think, I think that, that for some people, it is a big issue. I think for some people, this is absolutely an age thing. Millennials don't see Cuba like Gen X does, and Gen X doesn't see Cuba like baby boomers do. And certainly where you are in the country, you talk to people in Miami yeah. and in Tampa Bay. That's a fundamentally different conversation uh, than you have with people in the middle of the country, and, and rightfully so. In, in many ways. I agree. I don't want to fund the, dic- the dictatorship. I, I'm, I'm there. I agree with that. But I think the bigger story is Cubans ain't worth it. I think that's the big story. I was with friends. The cigars. About a month ago. Right. Right? The Cuban cigars ain't. Oh, yes. Cuban cigars ain't worth it. The people are worth it. <laughs> oh, did I say Cubans aren't worth it? That's okay. Oh, yeah. like, oh. We, knew we, we knew where you were going. Oh, send your emails to fingers <laughs> at eatdrinksmoke.net. That's actually not our email address. Uh, I, uh, the, uh, the Cuban cigars aren't worth it. I was with some friends uh, a month ago. H. Upman's. It was a lovely, lovely smoke. I've got a hundred other lovely smokes. The, the Rocky Patel Cameroon, mm-hmm. 2003, the quarter century from Rocky. Uh, I've got in, in, in front of me, uh, this is uh, uh, the Griffins, the number 300, right? Yeah. There are a lot of smokes that you can go to in all sorts of price points that work. The allure of the Cuban is just fantasy at this stage of the game. But it's that forbidden fruit, right? Because it's so hard to get your hands on a genuine well, it used to be Cuban harder, cigar. right? Yes. yes, but it's still very difficult. If you talk to uh, cigar shop owners, one of their big pet peeves is someone coming and saying, okay, you, wait, you got some Cubans? Wait, you got some Cubans in the back, right? You were explaining to me the other day, because we, we, I think we discussed this on air, the idea of people counterfeiting Cubans. I'm like, I don't really see that. And then we were off the air, and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. This is happening when people like travel to Canada and other places. Well, especially in uh, you know people trying to get Cubans. A lot of times in the United States, you have to order online. You always have to be concerned when you're ordering stuff like that online. Uh, you'll you'll see counterfeit Cubans coming in, sold as real Cubans. But I've even seen people say that you have to be careful in Cuba getting real Cuban cigars. Because really, you can you can, uh, you can go to a street vendor who has Cuban cigars, Cuban cigars, but they aren't genuinely. Cuban cigars, so it's it's fascinating. There, there. I guess there are certain tells by looking at the label if they're counterfeit, right. if they're real. So, but the, the 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 seed has so spread. You know, when people escaped, they took they took the seed with them. You can't truly, you know, replicate the soil. Soil conditions really do work, but there are a lot of places that have good soil, and you can utilize that seed. And things have been moved and maneuvered, and there is just remarkably 
remarkably good cigars out there from all over the place. I don't need a, I don't need a Cuban in order to make me think I'm having a good cigar. Those days are over. And, so and the rum too. I we really I can't think of the last time. Hmm, I need me a Cuban rum, right? I can't think of the last time that happened at all. No. Well, don't blame this next story on me, Tony, because I'm doing my part. McDonald's is permanently closing. <laughs> Wait, what? McDonald's is permanently closing 200 of its 14,000 U.S. locations this year, with low-volume restaurants and Walmart stores making up over half of the closures. Yeah, so they're closing the 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 stores that are, like, low-volume. Yeah. Right? Those are the ones that are, are, are getting changes. And according to the CEO... Within a matter of weeks, the McDonald's system made operational modifications across 30,000 restaurants while closing and then reopening another 9,000. So there's really two stories in here. Sometimes you'll hear about closings and they'll say, oh, it's coronavirus. Sometimes it's people taking advantage of coronavirus. They're taking advantage of the moment. And McDonald's isn't the only group that has said, hey, um, while we're all shut down, Let's get a crew in there. Yep. Let's rebuild. Let's remodel. Let's do all the things. It's a perfect time. It's, it, it's, it's usefulness. We saw this in a lot of places. So the, the closing isn't the end of the world. By the way, what did you have for dinner today, Fingers Malloy? I had a triple cheeseburger with no onions, a, a McDouble with no onions, because both of those have those diced onions that are terrible. They're delicious. Oh, my gosh. Onions are good. They ta- oh, I love onions. I just don't like the dehydrated onions that they put Sad. on McDonald's. Uh, double cheeseburgers, they, they, they smell like armpits. Uh, a fry, and then, uh, of course, an Oreo McFlurry. You've got to be able to chase all that down. And, and I feel fantastic. And how many cookies? Uh, three cookies. So you had a triple mm-hmm. cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. Then you had a double. McDouble. What is the difference between... A McDouble is slightly smaller than a double cheeseburger, and it's topped differently. Oh. oh. <laughs> it's got mayonnaise and pickle. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, you had a McFlurry. Mm-hmm. An Oreo McFlurry. And three cookies. And fries. And fries. Yeah. How am I fat? <laughs> how, how? How? It's, it's so wrong. I, ha- I hate my metabolism. If I had metabolism, I could rule the freaking world. Well, you're not looking at someone across the table who looks like Jack LaLanne in his prime, you, Tony. You, you should like you look like Violet from Willy Wonka. <laughs> you should just be giant and round and purple. Holy, if I ate that, I'd die. I'd die happy. Then I'd die feeling just Cause the, depressed. Because we talked about this with Wendy's. You take the fries and you dip it in the McFlurry. Right. And so with Wendy's, you, you dip the, the, fr- the fries in the Frosty. McFlurry or Frosty? Frosty. Of course. It's not even a conversation. Can I do one? Can I get to a story? Absolutely. If, if I may. Just so we can put everybody's mind to rest. No, Donald Trump cannot delay the election. <laughs> oh, that man and his tweets. They're the guilt that keeps on giving just because it creates insanity. This was the, uh, he, he, he tweets out that mail-in voting is going to be a problem and while you can argue that you don't see massive problems, there certainly have been issues and people have gone to jail for mail tampering and stuff. And I don't know why we can't go to the polling place anyway in November. I thought wearing a mask is all you had to do and you're just fine. I don't know why we're the, – the guy at the supermarket could keep stocking the shelves. Uh, McDonald's could still make you all the food that's, you know, that you could consume, but yet somehow we can't vote. 
Uh, and he's like, the mail-in voting is going to be a serious uh, issue, although absentee is fine. And uh, maybe we've got to delay the election, right? You know, you know it, was, it was, I'm paraphrasing. And people went crazy. He doesn't have the power to do that. What are we doing? Why does he do this? I don't why, know why do people take it so crazy? Well, because they live and die sometimes ah. by every tweet that he sends out. But this is one of the situations where I understand when people who are uh, advocates for the president say, oh, I wish he wouldn't tweet. I, I, I don't agree with that, but... When I see tweets like this, I'm like, oh, my God, what, what are you doing? Why? Why? Why, why do you, you hurt s- me? Yeah, why would you say that? You know, if you're like if you're the Trump supporter, it's got to be like, why do you make my life more difficult? <laughs> why is this? But no, it can't. It, look, it, he has no power to delay an election. It's not going to happen. Election day is going to come. Everyone needs to chill. That's all I ask. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Johnny Walker Blue, 200th anniversary, and I do not care that it's $350 a bottle. <laughs> I'm buying when it comes out, and we are drinking it here. We might even invite some friends. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. So good to be with you. Tony Katz, that is Fingers Malloy. You can follow him on Facebook, Fingers Malloy Radio, M-A-L-L-O-Y. They have uh, announced a special edition to commemorate the 200th anniversary. I'm not a Johnny guy. Not a Johnny Walker guy, and this is a blended whiskey that we're, that we're talking about here. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Please don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that, uh, whether, whether it's, it's, a, it's a blended scotch or whether it's blended American whiskey. They, they, there's great work that we do on blended Canadians, all that kind of jazz. But this, called the Legendary 8, set to retail at $350 a bottle, will hit shelves in the U.S. in the late fall. 87.6 proof. So it's it's a little a little stronger than the, the the standard Johnny Blue, which I gotta admit, I, I like. I absolutely like it. Um, I can't wait. It's the legendary eight because uh, it's the eight producers that came together into this final blend. The story over at Forbes.com. I absolutely am gonna buy it. And I know I'm a sucker, right? $350, are you nuts? I'm totally doing it for the catch. I'm totally doing it for the marketing. I've been sucked in. Do you know Peyton Manning has a, a, a bourbon? Peyton Manning has a bourbon uh, that is named after this very exclusive public golf course in Pittsburgh. I, I, what ties look, does he have in Pittsburgh? I have absolutely no idea. World is a weird, right? strange place. So the, this bourbon, he's he's doing. Jim Nance is a part of it. Andy Roddick is, is is a part of it, and it's called Sweeten's Cove. That's the 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 name uh, of the bourbon. It's two hundred dollars a bottle, only in Tennessee. Now, I've had it. It's I didn't buy the bottle. It's it's very nice. Two hundred dollars nice. It ain't two hundred dollars nice. Sorry, Peyton. I don't care how many touchdowns you throw. It ain't two hundred dollars nice. But I'm buying the Johnny Blue. I'm I'm buying the twenty the, the two hundred year. Well, this is an interesting conversation as far as okay, what's the most you've spent that you remember on a bottle of bourbon or booze? Because I I can tell you right now how much I've the the, the most I've spent on a bottle of right. bourbon is eighty dollars. And what do you remember what it was? It was Horse Soldier Bourbon. Oh, okay. So, at Horse Soldiers, re- 
really cool story because when 9-11 happened, there were troops that were dropped into Afghanistan and they needed to get to the bad guys. And the only way to get there was by horseback. Mm-hmm. And these guys are the, were the creme de la creme. And that's horse soldier bourbon. And I think they're out of Florida. Uh, it's, it's, it's good. And they've got a couple of different blends and, and, and brands and, and groupings of it. It's, it, 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 it can knock you down. Yeah. It can knock you down. It's really, really good stuff. They're, they're, they're nice guys, good guys. Great, great American story there. Um, I don't know what the most expensive bottle I bought is, but it's not eighty dollars. It's less. Yeah, but but clearly, if you're willing to spend three fifty on a bottle, I, I I don't blame you. I mean, this is this is an event. We talk a lot about how it's cool to have a, a bourbon or a cigar that's good, but that also has a story behind it. Right. I mean, two hundredth anniversary. I asked myself this question: If it wasn't for this show, would I do it? Oh, I know I'm going to do it because we're going to review it on this show. To me, it's like I take away the cost part. And I put in the investment part. Now you're, you're at home, right? You, you just enjoy the juice. You're not, it's, it's not your livelihood. Do you do it? I don't know that. But I guarantee there are some people are like, oh, absolutely. I do it. Absolutely. What is, what is the question? I'm going to go with five friends. We're going to buy it. We're going to drink it up. It's going to be totally worth it. It's going to yeah. be fantastic and amazing. Oh, I'm doing it. We are going to invite some people, though. Okay. We're going to invite some people and make that happen. I will make the sacrifice to share that bottle with you, Tony. You are a great American, <laughs> Fingers Malloy. This is a really serious story, especially if you're on social media and you follow Cigar Aficionado. CigarAficionado.com. Not sponsors of the show. They should be. They're not. Um, there are fake Instagram accounts that are scamming cigar smokers. This is a really serious story. Um, so there's uh, fake accounts that say to you, uh, hey, uh, you've won a $1,000 gift card. And then you're like, oh, wow, I love cigars. I just won a $1,000 uh, gift card. That's great. And then they want your personal information so they can electronically deposit it to you because that's the only way they can get it to you. It's a gift card, but they can't mail it. So they got to give you, they need your account information. Then, of course, they steal it. So there are three fake accounts. Cigar Aficionado Prize, Cigar Aficionado Giveaway, and Cigars Aficionado a Cigars International COVID-19. So Cigar Aficionado Prize, Cigar Aficionado Giveaway, and Cigars International COVID-19. Those are fake accounts. Cigar Aficionado has one Instagram account, Cigar Aficionado, right? It's got the blue check, so they're verified on Instagram. That's who they are. This is the scumbaggiest move that there is. Because people have been smoking more because of, uh, of COVID. They're, they're getting into it. They're starting to follow things like never before. And some scumbag scammers like, hey, here's my opportunity. And they're stealing $1,000 at, at, a, at, a, at a time for them. Now, by the way, if you also want to double check, Cigar Aficionado has more than 200,000 followers. And Cigars International has nearly 44,000 followers. So the scammers don't have those kinds of followers. They, that's what you're looking out for. Well, also look for the blue check mark on these accounts because they're, they're, going, to be, uh, they're going to be there. Also, you know, I, I can't believe we have to say this in, in 2020, but if someone's asking for your social security number over the internet... Or your bank account number, yeah, right? D- d- Cigar aficionado is not owned by a Nigerian prince. (laughs) So don't fall for it. I don't disagree, but it's just, just, just scumbaggery. I hate these people. 
I am all in favor of special laws to go after hackers. Yeah. I, I, I'm never a guy who's like, there ought to be a law, which is your whole, your whole raison d'etre. You know, you get more crazy about it than I do, Fingers. But going after these people, ruining these people, finding them, how we are not like the most focused nation on cybersecurity and getting hackers always drives me crazy. Again, totally an issue that you can get all Americans behind. Yeah. Cybersecurity, don't allow the threats from other countries, don't get, prevent the breaches of, of, your, of your medical information and things like that. And find these guys and throw these guys in jail. They're the worst human beings in the world. I've got two different friends that have had pictures stolen from their pri- uh, public accounts and then dummy accounts set up and have that dummy account hit people up privately to try to scam them, scam them for money. I was at, this is going on 11 years ago now, maybe more. Yeah, no, 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 13 years ago, 14 years ago. At an event with bloggers who were just getting into video blogging. That's how long ago this was. <laughs> and I had a guy explain to me, you think identity theft is the issue? That's nothing. Wait until they can steal your reputation. Yeah. And I, I, I remember where I was. I'm standing in the, the doorway of a bar, and it's like I smoked all the weed. My mind was blown. <laughs> but now, now here we are. It's absolutely happening. It's gross. So be on the lookout for this. And then on Instagram, follow uh, Cigar Aficionado. And then follow us, Eat, Drink, Smoke Podcast on Instagram. Eat, Drink, Smoke Podcast on Instagram. That's what to do. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, Drink, Smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. We went backwards this time around. We smoked first with Rocky Patel. Now we drink the 1792 Full Proof. Now, if you go back through the archives, you will find that we've reviewed this before, but not the Full Proof. I'm Tony Katz. That is Fingers Malloy. The Full Proof is 125 proof from 1792. Fingers, you're ecstatic. Why? Why always the high proof stuff? Haven't we proven that the lower proof stuff is equally as delicious? Life is short. Time is short. <laughs> Why not have a little bit more punch to your bourbon? That's all. This comes from the people at Sazerac, uh, right, and the Barton 1792 Distillery. This is 125 proof. We don't know specifically what the mash bill is. I looked around, and I trust the guys over at BreakingBourbon.com, although I've never met the guys at BreakingBourbon.com. So, hey, guys at BreakingBourbon.com, it's good to meet you. They think this is 75% corn, 15% rye, and 10% malted barley in the mash bill, right? In order to be bourbon, it has to be at least 51% corn. It has to be aged two years in a first-use charred American oak barrel. That's how it has to be. Bourbon does not have to come from Kentucky. None of that is true. None of that is real. It can come from any place in the United States. I mean, it could come from other places, but it has to be done in an American charred oak barrel. Uh, The color on this thing is a little bit deeper than your standard uh, bourbon. It's a little browner, I I think, than more of that golden kind of honey color that you're used to. Not syrupy at all. That is is a very, very liquid uh, type of, of bourbon. On the nose, on the nose, and we always do it neat, Right, Fingers? You don't have any ice in there, do you? No, I do not. We do it neat, and then we've got a big rock side, and then we decide whether we want to add an ice chip or water, whatever else. And there are no rules. I mean, there are no rules. Do what you, Don't mix it. I mean, okay, this isn't Vietnam. There are rules. I got to put my Crystal Pepsi back? Is yes, that what you're telling me? please put down your Zima, and don't do that. 
Oh, wait. Hold on. I'm doing the nose right now. All right, there's a couple of flavors that hit right from the start. The touch of vanilla is there. This is, there is a good amount of wood going on there. So call it the oak, if you will, from the barrel. Little maple syrup? Maybe. Maybe. You see, you're always that. You're like you sugar cookie, maple syrup. There's something that connects with you in that I way. I got a sweet tooth. Uh, is that it? I don't know. I, I don't know. If, now that you said it, I'm thinking sugar cookie. <laughs> the power of suggestion is real. Go on, ask me for my wallet. Um, it's actually not bad for 125 proof. There's, it's not a medicinal on the nose at at, at all. All right, so. There are a couple rules or a couple of ways, and not even rules, about how you take that first sip. One is you take the sip, you give it a second to like do whatever it's going to do to the taste buds, and then you do it again, right? You're activating some, you're kind of limiting others, and then you can get a real taste. So let's do a first sip. Let's see where we are. We're doing it neat. This is the 1792, 1792, full proof at 125 proof. Are, are, are you ready? Here we go. Are you ready? Here you go. Oh, there we go. Doing it. He's taking the sip. He's taking the sip right there. He's doing uh, the sometimes referred to as the Kentucky Chew. The Memphis Munch. It is not the Memphis Munch. Doing it oh, all that, around. Uh, it is amazing that that is 120 proof. Mm. You would never know. Not on the tongue. There's no, no hold burn. on a second. It is a little tingle to the tip of the tongue. Tip in the sides. That went down remarkably smooth. I can feel it now, the burn in the mid-chest. That's really good. Now, we did last week the Wild Turkey Revival, which I happen to like. It was $150 a bottle. $150 a bottle. And you said, no, you're not buying it at $150 I don't know if I'm buying it. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I'm buying anything at $150 a bottle. That's above what I like to spend on anything uh, alcohol-related. So... Uh, but it was very good. I mean, if I were at a bar and I was, uh, it was a special occasion, I would buy that for a, a drink. This, at 125 proof, is $42.99. Uh, it, it, okay, it, it, how it hits, it hits actually upbeat, which is kind of fascinating. Sometimes you think those high-proof things are going to hit hard or going to hit harsh. Very, very upbeat in terms of, of, of bright. Uh, right there, there's definitely uh, that that sweetness um, in 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 like the dark fruits, like cherries uh, and and things like that. I know that some uh, you look around, some people describe it as heat. I don't get heat. You definitely feel it mid chest, but it's already kind of dissipated. I'm doing my second sip right now. To me, I'm getting that the sh- kind of a uh, you know the, the the sugar, the sweetness, the the maple syrup, um, and the a touch of the oak. There's a what the, the flavoring that you get is almost to a level of intensity that would make you think that it's unserious, which is a really weird way to say it, right? It's not these subtle flavors that solely build. It's right there on the tongue, and it is that touch of vanilla. It is uh, that, that sweetness. It is that, that dark uh, fruit, that cherry. I shouldn't say dark fruits. That cherry is, is really, really there. And even on the end... Um, for me, the, the faintest touch of spice at forty two ninety nine. I don't know if it's in your liquor cabinet. I know you're buying a bottle. At forty two ninety nine, it's worth trying. Hey, guys, let's, let's check this out. 
This is absolutely lovely. I don't even know if I'm moving it to the cube. You moved it to the big I, rock. Because I always do. It's a just a habit? Yeah, it's a character flaw of mine. I don't know. Maybe that's the thing to do. That way you get to try it both ways. But There's I a almo- spice, too. At the end, right? Yes. At the end, I'm not finished. There's a touch of a spice, but not, not big, not harsh. Almost in a cinnamon, like a big red yeah, yeah. Kind, kind of way. Big right. red but, chewing gum. But, but not fireball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is... Far more interesting than I thought it would be. Far less harsh than I thought it would be. But there's there's a moment that I almost... This is going to sound dumb. This is going to sound totally elitist. You don't have to listen to me. It's it's almost amateurish. It's, it's me wondering whether this needed more time, as my grandmother would say in the Yiddish, to famish mm-hmm. and, and bring out some, some deeper notes of those flavors. Because they're too easy. And they're there, and they're pronounced, and they and they work together well. It feels really, really, really good. It's almost also on the on the texture, it like it's too thin. Oh, okay. Can I use the word viscosity? It's your show. Of yeah, course you can. It doesn't mean I'm allowed <laughs> to just say things. If if it was thicker, I'd be happier. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's almost like I want those flavors to linger better on the tongue. But I am absolutely impressed. And one of the things that we often talk about, you know, in terms of value is this, is this good for the table? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is good for, for the couple. This is good for the friends over. This is co- go over, good for the buddies over at $42.99. Yeah. Abs- it's, it's in my liquor cabinet. And the other thing, too, you know, we've talked to experts that say sometimes when you get to these higher proof bourbons, it can actually not pair well because it will sting your tongue and it'll affect your palate. You know, when you're trying to pair it with a cigar, I don't feel like that's the case with this. There's a little bit of a sting, but it's you would never guess drinking this that it was over. You know, it was 120 proof, 125 proof, 125 proof. This is this is the 1792 full proof. This is dear goodness a yes. Yep, I am really really impressed. The little things that I want to it a little more thickness, maybe it's a little more time to to develop out. That's that's secondary. What they put together here. The, the juice is worth the squeeze. It should be in your liquor cabinet. That's the 1792 full proof. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Man, does coronavirus suck. Yep. This is this is the suck, how, how people are treating each other, what it's doing to people, the, the lies, the manipulation, the, the almost abusive nature of what's happened in media. It's just... Ugly. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. We're not ugly here. Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy. If you ever, ever miss an episode, the podcast on Apple Podcast, Eat, Drink, Smoke, write a review, leave a five-star review. And this is not to be political, but uh, coronavirus took the life of, of a guy we both knew, and, and I really, really appreciated Herman Cain, who ran for president. Um, he was the CEO of Godfather's Pizza. And early in my career, I was in South Carolina reporting on the uh, Republican primary there and uh, I had done a hit for Fox News I'd gone down there with a group of people and it, it was so funny we were set up in the hotel that Fox News was in because I, I had these these two camera guys I had a couple of people and I, and I uh, walked over to the manager and was like uh, uh, hi uh, I'm Tony Katz uh, I'm here to set up and they're like who? 
Tony Counts, I'm, I'm going to be on Fox later. I had no idea if I was going to be on Fox when they were in the building. <laughs> and they're like, oh, sure, yeah, you can set up right there. So we were in like, you had to go through the hotel restaurant to get to where Fox had their whole setup. And so we were set up right there. First thing, you could not pass by without seeing us. So we got these really cool interviews. And I had done a hit on, on, on Fox and Friends. And I'm doing the show and Herman Cain comes in. Right, it's nine nine nine, and everything else is going <laughs> yeah. on. It's so great, and uh, and I'm like Her- Herman Cain, Tony Katz would love to do the interview, and he goes, oh, "Listen, I'm busy." Wait, wait, I- didn't I just see you on TV? You're Tony Katz, right? Herman Cain, you're Tony Katz. I'm like, yeah, yes, yes, I am, yes, I am. <laughs> and he's like, L- "I love, I love what you did. You know what? I'm going to do the hit. I'm going to come back. I'm going to do your show. Nice." And Herman Cain did a, a-, a sit down uh, with me, and I had the chance to be on a couple of stages with him after that. Uh, dude is was just a, a really, really nice cat. Super positive guy, super upbeat guy. Wasn't afraid of the fight. And even with the things that came out about him, which some of it never, of course, was just conjecture nonsense, uh, maintained himself to be a decent guy. He had just signed a TV contract. This is He went into the hospital July 1st, uh, passed away. Uh, yeah, just absolutely awful. So there... there it's funny there there are these people who who like will tell you somehow this isn't real of course it's real now the question is what do you want to do about it and that's where we've all lost control not as much control fingers malloy (laughs) as kfc i want you to do the story i'm disgusted i can't do anything but be disgusted with kfc at this moment i thought i was going to be disgusted with the kfc crocs do you know what the KFC Crocs are? They started selling shoes, the Crocs, the sandals, that smell like fried chicken. And they sold out in like four seconds. I just assumed all Crocs smelled like fried chicken. <laughs> I didn't know that there was a process. Um, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll okay. do it. KFC is working with a Russian bioprinting company to create 3D printed chicken nuggets. I'm out. I'm out. Thank goodness I've got the 1792 foolproof right here. <laughs> right. I'm just glad that we can finally address Russian influence on our chicken nuggets. Thank you. Thanks. If we can get Robert Mueller on that, <laughs> some type of investigation. I'm guessing this is probably going to taste like Soylent Green, Tony. I mean, I, <laughs> this is all based on the, what Impossible Meat has done and the Impossible Burger and everything else. It's a plant-based material, and they're going to also do, they're going to use chicken cells in plant-based material that's right. Oh, we're, I'm sorry. Were you having lunch? Chicken cells, people. And, and, and then they're going to provide the bioprinting firm with its breading and spices for the signature KFC taste. Wait a minute. I thought that was a secret. Uh, turns out the Russians are getting it. Wait, wait a minute. This was, it's, the, it's a secret, the 11 herbs and spices, and we're handing that information over to the Russians. My yeah. God, is anything sacred anymore? No. No, no, no. They've got the emails, and now they have the spices. <laughs> there, there comes a moment to stop. Now, I will say this. If we weren't people who focused on figuring out ways to bioengineer food, we never would have gotten dwarf wheat. And dwarf wheat fed the world. So, so dwarf wheat was this, this way of creating, you know, you could, you could grow wheat. But it grows tall, and in certain conditions, certain areas of the world, it would fall over, and it would crack, and it would, it would be half kind of useless. It was a waste, and, and it wouldn't let the wheat grow properly. So there was the invention of dwarf wheat, and dwarf wheat just simply grew smaller. 
we, you would probably be considered politically incorrect to say dwarf wheat in today's world <laughs> for whatever reason. That was my rap name. Right. <laughs> I have no problem with, with the, the, the engineering concept, with, with creating ways. But good Lord, we don't need to be engineering the chicken. No, KFC partnering with Russians. Let's call it KGB chicken nuggets. Right, right. I right. Mean, it's uh, not KFC. It's KGB. It's KGB. Where can you can do? You, are you good enough at Photoshop to make that? No, I wish I would. Can we get a chick, uh, a bucket with KGB? <laughs> KGB chicken. I mean, there's. There, listen, when you start talking about chicken cells involved in the process, I, 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 no, thank you. It, it being fake, and uh, but I think a lot of people. Uh, it, it's interesting. I really, don't know how 3D printers work. So, like uh, how it builds on itself? Yeah. I, it, and to be able to, to, to take something like this and create chicken nuggets, I think, is, is foreign to a lot of people. Now, 3D printing is the most stunning stuff in the world, and its applications uh, are, are limitless, uh, especially in, in two worlds, the, the military world and in the healthcare world. You need to create a valve for somebody. You can literally do it on the spot. You don't have to have one in supply, which is incredible. Uh, and then the other one is on military applications, you're in the desert and your Jeep uh, breaks and you need a cog. You need a, I, I look at me, Mr. Car Guy, <laughs> you need a cog. Wow, I, just, I, I lost all my man cards right there. <laughs> you put it in an order to spacely sprockets. Right, yeah, you need a sprocket. <laughs> and uh, instead of having to carry all that stuff, you simply print it out on the spot and you're on your way. I'm sorry, that's amazing stuff. Yeah, but to me, you know what this, this reminds me of? Is how Star Trek was so <laughs> into what the what the future may be. This is a replicator. You know, the, on Star Trek, they would go right. and they put the card in, and all of a sudden, they would pull out food, and it would look like regular food. No, oh, it's replicated food. It's not the real stuff. That's what this is, right? They're going to start with it in Russia, by the way, which I'm very happy about because <laughs> you know we'll keep an eye, we'll keep an eye on Vlad and see how he's doing. I to watch Vladimir Putin bare chested. Eating printed chicken nuggets with a bear next to him, right? It Bouncing out his nose. Wait, wait. <laughs> Good boy. He'll take a bite of the chicken sandwich and then they'll say "cut" on the camera and then he'll spit it out into a trash can. I there's there's not. I haven't had the impossible meat yet. Have you done it? No. Yeah. I, well, here's the thing with the with the Burger King. I feel like if when it's on a Whopper, they put so much slop on a, the toppings of a, a Burger King Whopper. I don't think you're going to notice much of a difference. Yeah, I love that slop. That slop is the flavor. You call it slop. I call it important ingredients to a well-balanced meal. I have not had a Whopper in forever. I, oh. could, I could go for one. Yeah, Hardee's is my, is my guilty pleasure. Hardee's Carl's Jr., that to me is the best fast food burger. And they've got great chicken. It's I've not, never had. It's not made in a 3D printer. It's no? fantastic. Amazing. <laughs> Check it out for yourself. If you've had it, let us know on Twitter. Go Eat, Drink, Smoke if you've had the 3D printed chicken. The news of the week that's coming up. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, Drink, Smoke, your cigar, bourbon, food, radio extravaganza. I'm Tony Katz. That is Fingers Malloy, the quarter century from Rocky Patel, if you can find it. You got to check it out for yourself. And I'm telling you, as clear as day... The Rocky Patel Cameroon 2003, the vintage, is the most underrated cigar in America. I am absolutely not an expert. I'm just telling you what I think. I actually uh, just uh, got some more. 
It is just in my humidor. I'm I'm a sucker for the Cameroon wrapper. It's the news of the week, Fingers Malloy. What do you got? Well, as you know, governors around the country have signed executive orders shutting down parts of their economy. So brave. Uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott ordered all bars in the state closed for a second time at the end of June. Well, new guidance from the Texas Alcohol Beverage Commission on the governor's executive order has forced the public closure of distilleries, wineries, and breweries in addition to bars across the state. So this is where we learn that liquor laws are what my grandmother would call fakakta crazy. Here, we've seen that in these shutdowns, people are like, yeah, but, you know, if you want to do, like, curbside alcohol, that's fine. Delivery alcohol like Drizzly does. How is Drizzly not a sponsor of this show? Right. Amazing. That's fine, too. And you know what they've learned? It's been fine. Not only has it been fine, it's been great. Not only has it been great, people are like, oh, I want to do this more often. I want to be able to order from a restaurant and have also, you know, I don't know if everybody does growlers. Which you do, like, the glass jugs and stuff. Or, or I want to have that, that sent to me. I want to have all this. So you have the times that got advanced so quickly in some respects because of COVID that the laws have not caught up to them. And it, I, if there's silver lining in some of this, it's the realization that all of this legislation that we put on all of us is just unnecessary. We've proven it. Well, the thing is with this, too, the people are saying, hey, we, we should be able to have our liquor delivered to us, but who will have the most effective lobbying group? Because you know who will be against this? Or liquor retailers, right? Because they are not—they're going to see their business go down if a, a restaurant or bar or, or distillery. Can now wait have- a second. We live in 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 the place of the most ridiculous fight in the world: Indiana liquor laws. Yes. a love story by Tony Katz. So for forever, you couldn't do two things in the state of Indiana: you couldn't have uh, Sunday sales, you could not buy alcohol on a Sunday, and then. If you're not it, it, if you're not in a liquor store, you can't buy cold beer. Right. So if a supermarket sells beer Monday through Saturday, it can't be cold. But the liquor store, on the obverse, isn't allowed to sell the mixers. You can't find a Coca-Cola <laughs> or, or, or a Sprite or a tonic inside the liquor store. For that, you have to go to one of the vending machines they have outside Crazy. the store. Criminally nuts. So there's been a fight that went on for, for years in Indiana about this. And when this when the rules started to change, I mean, I'm on the air in Indiana. Right? I do a morning show in, in Indiana, and uh, and I, I've got a, a midday syndicated show. I have, I'm all in on this fight, all in on this. You finally have Sunday sales. So the liquor stores or the, the supermarkets can sell liquor on, on, on a Sunday from noon to 8. <laughs> And the, the thought was, well, it's unfair to the liquor stores because now they have to be open. They don't have to be open. No one's forcing them to be open. What are you talking about? So this happened last year. finally passed. You, you have Sunday sales. And you know what happened? Nothing. Right. Everything's normal and fine. And, but, the, but the lobbies, the, the liquor store lobbies fought this like crazy. And everything is fine. So we do need cold beer sales as well. Everybody fighting this is just out of their head. The data's already there, man. Yeah, I moved here from Michigan, and before I moved, 
I, I came down here for a weekend to check out Indianapolis, and I was at a bar on a Sunday watching a Colts playoff game, and I wanted to get a growler right. to go. And I ordered one, and the bartender said, oh, you ain't from around here, are you? <laughs> so it, is, it was so ridiculous to me that we were you had to jump through hoops to get this pass to have Sunday sales, but at least now in Indiana we finally have it. Yeah, but you still can't get you cannot get a cold beer unless you're in a packaged liquor store. It is ridiculous. So I assume... And I'm actually a little surprised with Abbott that he didn't, uh, he isn't already moving on this stuff, and and that that state legislature. This is the kind of stuff the distillery gets hosed. Wrong, absolutely wrong. People love going to the source. Yep, and this time around too, with the second wave of bar closings, you're seeing bars starting to push back, either saying to, to hell with it, we're staying open, force so, me to close, or they're they're suing. I did an interview. Um, and you can find it at my website, TonyCats.com. I did an interview with Admiral Brett Giroir. So Admiral Giroir, G-I-R-O-I-R, it's, 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 it's Cajun people. He runs coronavirus testing for the White House. You've seen him in his uniform. You've seen him there in the briefings. And I started talking to him about this idea of closings. And he said he wants to see the bars closed. And I pushed back on him. You know, he said, it's a, it's a sacrifice, but we have to do it. I said, no, no, it's not a sacrifice for you, sir. It's a sacrifice for the bar owner. Right. And we got a little more into it. And this is the second time I've talked to him. He's actually, I think, a really, I think he's an honest dude. I think everything you get from him is really upfront. That's my take. And he said, well, I also, you know, we talked about the protest. What he opposes is any place that brings you the true body-on-body contact. That's what he doesn't want to see. And that's why he says the bars, because people are elbow to elbow. Well, the problem is in towns like Indianapolis, and this might be your town as well, the cigar lounge is considered a tavern and therefore, in the same legal way, is considered a bar and unacceptable to open. When's the last time you were elbow to elbow with anybody at a cigar lounge? I don't even think that happens on New Year's Eve, Tony. <laughs> well, wait, I mean, there are some places. Maybe. There are some places to get busy. You know, when we record, we record at Blend Bar Cigar, which is in Indianapolis and Nashville and Houston and Pittsburgh, blendbarcigar.com. And they're very, very kind to us. I'll always be full disclosure, guys. I, w- I will always tell you what's, what's, what's going down. Um, they're not supposed to be able to be open. Because they're under the tavern rules, when you're you're always you're you're a full leather chair away from the next person, it's wrong, and the laws are not updated fast enough to deal with some of these closures. Yeah, I do. I will admit, I oppose the closures, not because I don't think coronavirus is real. I think it's real, but I, I don't think that you have the right to just willy nilly shut down people's places. And if you say to me, "We're saving lives." You, you ain't doing too much for the people who make their living at this business. I think the business can handle it and people can handle it better. Well, you know, it's just like the FDA conversation. It's like the FDA conversation. Yeah, because you, you have a similar situation where the FDA wants to regulate everything under one umbrella when it comes to tobacco right. products. you got, okay, we're going to regulate premium cigars like cigarettes and vaping. It's the same conversation we're having about the, the tavern is the same as a bar, as a bar and restaurant. It's, and it's not. It is the most frustrating thing to witness and, and watch. And you should ask your local tobacconist about it. Like your local cigar shop, ask them what they know about that FDA fight. Because what they want to do is they want to put it all into one barrel. And they want to regulate a premium cigar like a cigarette. So what you smoke is a premium cigar. We're not talking about the thing you might get at a convenience store. We're talking about the thing where you walk into a cigar shop and there's a humidor and the whole thing. That's a premium cigar. That, so there's the, 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 the difference there. 
So when when people want to regulate that, cigars aren't marketed to kids. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, I I will share with you. You know, we will do this because we had this big long conversation with Rocky Patel, right? Right, Rocky Patel cigars and his brother uh, Nish, and this whole idea about what the FDA is doing and how they don't understand. There was this big tech hearing on the Hill, on Capitol Hill, and it was it was Tim Cook of Apple, and it was Sundar Pichai of Google, and, and, uh, and Jeff Bezos of Amazon, Mark Zuckerberg was there, and here are these members of Congress who don't know anything about their businesses, asking them questions. Now, some of it was about censorship, fine, but some of it's about, like, the tech stuff. They don't know what they're asking. <laughs> they don't know what, 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 what they're saying at all. This is the same thing. The FDA guys don't know. They don't know anything about the thing that they are supposedly regulating. And so your cigar shop might know who they've been in contact with, whether congressmen or or state people or whatever. Man, you you can't have the two things put together. You can't have them bundled up together because it's going to destroy the industry. They're already trying to destroy the cigar industry. It is the fight worth having for sure. Uh, follow us on Twitter, speaking of social media. Go Eat, Drink, Smoke. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. So Major League Baseball, trying to play through coronavirus, you had the Florida Marlins suspending a series of games because you had like 15 guys on that team who got COVID, who got coronavirus. Then you've got uh, the NBA, where the only people who've had a problem are the people who have escaped the bubble, m- mostly for strip clubs, uh, <laughs> but a couple of guys for, for, for other reasons. The NFL, though, there the issue is the players who aren't interested in playing. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke, everybody. I'm Tony Katz. That is Fingers Malloy uh, right there. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Katz, Instagram at Tony Katz. That's K-A-T-Z. There is a list of players in the NFL fingers, Malloy, and I know you follow it much more intensely than I do. That is like, yeah, we're not we're not playing. On the New England Patriots alone, you have six players. Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, longtime player there, uh, Marcus Cannon, Brandon Bowden. Um, you go down the list, you got guys on, on the Ravens, on the Bills, on the Panthers, on the Bears, Browns, Cowboys, Broncos, Packers, Texans, the Chiefs, Vikings, Saints, Giants, Jets, Eagles, Seahawks, Titans, Washington football team. Should we talk about the fact that it's the Washington football team? Because they dropped the Redskins name because they decided that was the the woke way to go. Right. And I have no like skin in the game, and not to play a pun on words there, uh, you know, or, or to to do a play on words. I don't I don't care what they call themselves. It doesn't bother me if the Cleveland Indians change their name. I'm totally fine. If the New York Jets changed their names, it wouldn't bother me. Changing the New York Giants' names because, you know, it's a problem with tall people. I don't (laughs) – it it means nothing. Um, But they now call themselves Washington football team. So all of these (laughs) – Just rolls off the tongue. Right? All of these players are like, yeah, we're not not playing because of coronavirus. Is there a season this year? Yes, I think there is a season. But I'm not sure it's going to start opening day like they're expecting. You, I've seen plans – uh, alternative plans where they're talking about making it a 12-game season starting it later in the year. Uh, you know, they've already postponed, or not not postponed, they canceled a the preseason. A 12-game season? Yeah, 12-game yeah, season. Yeah, I knew they canceled the preseason. That's all done. Shortening it to 12 games. Yeah, just playing division games and uh, then a, a select opponents in uh, your conference and the opposing conference. Uh, but 
going back to the people who are opting out, the one of the hardest hit teams in the beginning, this first wave of players saying I'm out is the New England Patriots. And Adam Schefter, who uh, is a, a, an NFL guy, he's the ESPN senior NFL insider, right. had one general manager reach out to him and say, oh, Belichick's up to something. <laughs> Belichick is up to something He's because you can get salary cap relief of the if these people opt out. So... And Adam Schefter was like, well, what, what kind of proof that you do you have that he, he's up to something? And he goes, I don't know, but that just seems to be something <laughs> Belichick would do. <laughs> That's reputation, man. Exactly. That's mind game and a half. Uh, do they still get paid? They get paid a, a payout. They get a certain portion of their contract. Um, and then if they don't play the following year, I believe they have to pay it all back. So say... If we'll use Drew Brees for example, I mean, right. Drew Brees is going to play, uh, as far as I know, <clears throat> because he, you know his the clock is ticking on his career. Right? He's like forty years old. Mm-hmm. But if he were to opt out this year, he would get a cash payment, and then next year, if he decided, you know what, I'm done, I'm not going to play anymore, he has to give some of that money back, okay. if not all of it back. So, so they do get paid, yes, but it's right. a fraction of what they would get if they if they were playing. Do you think they really think? That they're going to get coronavirus. Like, is that the real reason they're not playing? You know, it's, and then it's like, who do you think you are doubting these people, questioning their motives? A little bit, I'm curious. It's much more curiosity than a, than a slam. Uh, do they really think they are going to get coronavirus if they play? That's an interesting question. I don't know the answer to it, but I do know that the NFL is a business. And many of these decisions, whether it's by the team or players, is a business decision. So they could be looking at their particular role this year on a team and say, well, I, you know, how is, is this going to benefit my career if I play this year? Uh, maybe I sit out a year and say someone who is on the team right now, maybe a free agent, it may so help me out. So wasn't that the exact thesis of Victor Oladipo with the Indiana Pacers? Vic Oladipo had the quad injury. He was coming back. He was slowly getting minutes. Then coronavirus hits. He gets more time to sit. They go into the bubble, and he's like, hey, you know what I've decided? I've decided I'm not going to play because I haven't had enough five-on-five time. I'm just not up to, to the rigors of it. Well, then he gets into the bubble, and the next thing you know, it's like, "Uh, maybe I'll play. And he's been playing. Yeah. So people thought that his not playing was this business decision. I mean, he got the business from some, he got love from others. I'm not an, I I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, you know, what what I thought of the thing. I didn't have a a thought on it. But I was like, all right, he doesn't want to play, doesn't want to play. All right, now he wants to play. What changed? And that's when I started asking, is that a drive to play? Or was that a business decision? Because well, he's going to have a, a, a contract year next yeah. year. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the NFL is such a different creature than the NBA and MLB. You know, the right. minor, or Major League Baseball, you can have a little summer camp and then start playing. You know, the pitchers have to develop and, you know, over a, a period of time, they have to get ready for the season so they could throw, uh, the starting pitcher could throw seven, eight, nine innings. Mm-hmm. The NFL, to not have a traditional training camp and then no preseason games, this may be a season where a lot of players get injured because they aren't in what's called football shape. They aren't, right. they aren't getting the hits. You know, uh, they're going to do everything they can to 
socially distance <laughs> as, as much as possible in training camps. It's so going to be flag football? It may be flag football at the end. No, so it's going to be – maybe there are some guys that are, are saying to themselves, I'm up for a big money contract next year. I don't want to get hurt in week two because I wasn't in football shape at the start of the season to play because there are a lot of times when that happens where, okay, a guy comes back, he's not in football shape, and then he gets hurt and he's shut down for the year. Right. All right. I get that. That actually makes sense. If that if if we're talking about the inability to get in shape, that is different than whether or not they think they're going to get coronavirus. Right. I can live with that first one. I'm curious to see how it goes. Americans aren't making enough babies, so if you could just uh, and I mean this quite literally, fingers get on that. Not my fault. I did my part. Get on that. Now this has been a conversation that happens in a lot of nations. There are economic reasons that people aren't having kids. There are social reasons people aren't having kids. If you take a look uh, at, at Russia, again, talking about, about Russia, population is a huge, huge issue. And in the, it, it, it really comes down to this. Very hard to have a nation if you have no people in it. Right. Right? That's difficult. The other one is it's very hard to pay for all the things you want to pay for in a nation if you don't have people working. Which is so twisted and so sick, yet look at all the spending. Do you know how much money we have put in to the debt in, in coronavirus alone? I think the number is near $5 trillion. Wow. And we're going for a second round of a stimulus yeah, well, package. I'm including that. I'm including oh, that second. Because okay. they're, they're talking about doing it now, another $1,200 per person, $2,400 a couple, up to $150,000 in income, $500 a kid. Yeah, it's another trillion. That'll be $5 trillion with all the add-ons to this, to that, the other. Matt, well, I don't care. I don't care who you are. That's a pretty big debt load when you're at $24 trillion. Right. And then people are like, yeah, we're only going to have one kid. I mean, college is $50,000 a year or whatever it is they say, and they're like, forget it. Well, and people aren't getting married as much as they used to. And in these crazy times, you're looking around what's going on in the country right now. Are you thinking to yourself, wow, it'd be a really good time to have a kid? Oh, I think that you are about to see in five months the Corona baby boom. Absolutely. People were at home with nothing to do. Could be. And the next thing you know, I, abs- I absolutely believe that's going to come. But if you were somebody who was trying to date during coronavirus, well, you, you, you had a lonely existence. <laughs> you really did have a lonely time. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Smoke.